Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I want to continue from last week's conversation, as we said we would, where we focused on trying to get from an area of doing the church's maintenance to being an evangelical outreach culture. So it started with what was the mission? And to summarize last podcast, if you haven't listened to it, feel free to go back to it. But to summarize it, it comes down to trying to get a deeper and better relation with Christ. So for some people, it just starts with a relation. Today, we're going to dive into how do you make it a better relation, starting with the entry point, as it was discussed in the Bible, as baptism. Go out and baptize. So... Having the conversation here, you have obviously performed a lot more baptisms than I have personally witnessed. I am 100% sure of that. But you're going to have the parents there and the godparents and then other friends and family. And then obviously the person being baptized. And I wanted to start with, before we even get into the logistics of the baby or how old they should be each one of them are at a different stage of life and they're all different people so they're all going to have different relations with each other um, let alone with Christ so I wanted to start off here knowing that every relation is different and there's not going to be a cookie cutter approach kind of starting with an example of what does a strong relationship in Christ look like? And you can think of it in your own lives. Times that you've been closer to someone, times you haven't, and how you felt. But knowing how much prayer you do in your daily life, Father, I can think of no better example to tell what a strong relationship with Christ would look like. And I just want to start there as a starting point. And then we'll dive into the broader topic of baptism as the starting point. Well, um, having a relationship with Christ is, first of all, a, a transforming event. I quoted the last time from Pope Benedict XVI, his first encyclical, that Christianity is not a lofty idea or an ethical decision. It is an encounter with a person, with an event that uh, gives life a decisive direction and a new horizon. And that's what happens when we encounter Christ. To, to know him and to know his love for us, there's something profoundly different about that. It builds on a lot of human experiences, but... Ultimately, we, we come to know him. I, I will never forget uh, some significant moments. We come to know him more and more. But, you know, when I, after attending a one-on-one -on -one Bible study, meeting with this man for, you know, nine months or so, I came to a point that it was really an intellectual conviction that I believed in the truth of the scripture. But then it became an act of faith to step out and actually profess that to him when he asked me. 
do you believe in Jesus? And for the first time in my life, I said, meaning it, I believe in Jesus. Something happened in that moment, and it was a step forward. But I still didn't really have a personal relationship with him. I believed. I made this act of faith. I took a step forward. Uh, it was probably a year later in, in a time of prayer and some difficulties in my life. Um, not huge difficulties, but anyway, they were difficult for me at the time. And in my time of prayer, I recognized that there was a presence. There was a, a movement in my heart. There was something different. And I recognized it as the voice of God, as the presence of God, that it was possible for me to speak to him, to hear him, to experience him, that I could be close to him. And that experience comes with a, a surge of joy. Sometimes it comes with our hearts set on fire. Sometimes it leads to a movement of tears, tears of sorrow for what we have done or tears of joy for what he has done for us, uh, moved by who he is. Uh, we have a way of being lifted up above the anxieties and the material concerns of this life. And all that's important in that moment is, is Jesus, is God, is heaven. Our hearts are uplifted and things kind of melt away. And, you know, these are the kinds of things that happen in, a, in an encounter with Christ. And People experience that in all different kinds of settings, but that encounter plays a really fundamental role. And then we start to conform our lives. In that moment, I very spontaneously asked the Lord, how does my life need to change? I, I, want, I want to be closer to you. I want to be more faithful to you. How do I need, what do I need to change in my life? And uh, he gave me some ideas. There are some things that immediately popped into my mind. And I thought, well, that's going to be tough. But I wanted to do it because I met him, because I felt his presence, because I knew his love for me. And so I wanted to do it. And I, I even knew how hard it would be. And I said, that's going to be really hard. I'm going to need your help. And he was faithful. And I could see that start to happen. So those are the kinds of starting points. And then to live with him, we start making more constant reference to him. He has, in fact, spoken to each one of us, and that's what we call the Bible. The Bible is God's love letters to us. It's God's personal communication to us. It's God's word that applies to each one of us. And so we have, in the Scripture, God's faithful communication to us. And so if I want to ask the question, what is God saying to me? How does God want me to live? Then I can really see that. In the scriptures, I can find that in, in his word. And so uh, that's you know, investing ourselves in the word of God, starting to, to take that in. And, and our, our hearts start to set on fire a little bit more. We have that, that uh, story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. When our hearts burning within us as he shared the scriptures with us on the way. And that, that starts to happen. We start to develop a thirst for I want more of this. When we come to know him, it's like, I want to know him more. I want to read more and, and listen to him speak to me more through his word. And, and naturally, we discover, uh, as we discover the sacraments in the Catholic Church, and someone says, you know, the, the Eucharist, that's Jesus. That's really him. That's his body and blood. Really? You know, how do, well, I want to spend a lot of time with him then. I want to be with him. 
in the Eucharist. I want to I want to be close to him because my heart's been moved by him and I've fallen in love with him and I and I want him to be the center of my life and and that's part of developing a relationship with him. And we start to find ways, well how how do I say thank you? You know, how do I give myself to him? How do I respond to this gift of this this free gift of love that he's given me? Well, you go you can do that at mass, you know, you can start to worship him. You can uh, do that maybe at a, at a prayer meeting or, or just in your private prayer. N- not only read the scripture, but take a little bit of time in silence and start to speak to him from your heart and tell him how much you love him and, and start to praise him. And then naturally, and this, this happened to me when I had that encounter, I wanted to ask him about everything. Like, well, what decisions do you want me to make in my life? And how, how, can, I, how can I be what you want me to be? And, you know, I to the detail of like, how do you want me to walk to class today? You know, should I go left here or should I go right? What do you want me to buy for dinner? Should I buy ham or should I buy chicken? You know, I want to make him part of everything in my life because that's what we do when we enter into relationship with someone that we love. We want to share everything with them. And that starts to change my priorities. And I remember very concretely for myself, again, I Everything I believed, you know, I had some political opinions. I was in college, so, you know, all that stuff's a little half-baked. But, you know, I had some ideas about how things function and some uh, political opinions and some values. You know, what's the good life and what's the purpose of life? And I was on my way to making, you know, a a reasonable salary, six figures, doing computer science stuff and, you know, just uh, having – finding a wife and settling down, having a home. But I, I, when I had that encounter with Christ, I realized, wow, this, this changes everything. I need to reevaluate everything. Maybe I would come back and believe some of the same things, but I need to reevaluate everything in light of Christ. And I just literally remember putting everything on the shelf, like everything, all the principles, all the priorities, all of the opinions that I had and different values and political views, everything. I just put everything on the shelf and I said, I need to rediscover everything from Christ. I need to rediscover every, I need to see the world through his eyes. So these are the kinds of things that we do when we have a relationship with with God in in Christ. We start to reevaluate everything and uh, and start to ask those, those significant questions and start to look at life again in a new way. Um, so that's that's what it means to have a, a a relationship with him and to deepen our relationship with him. Well, that obviously is a lot, but some of the things that I think are very important in that is that you were willing to see a different vantage point and to say, "Hey, I might be wrong about some stuff here." And there's some stuff that's not going to be exactly easy to admit that I'm wrong. And then if I do discover that I'm wrong, it's going to be even harder to change it. And I think that there's a big element of that in everyone's life. And for better or worse, we're a lot better now. It's a lot easier now to find like-minded people to be in an echo chamber regardless of the topic, regardless of what side you're on. And it takes a lot to stop, do a self-evaluation of new evidence or a new great encounter and say, 
Okay, I might have been wrong. Okay, not only was I wrong, or maybe I was right, but let's open ourselves up at least to the starting point. And I think that there's so many people entrenched in wherever they're at in their echo chamber that they're not even willing about the possibility that there could be something skewed in their viewpoint. Which is where I wanted to continue to the next part of the conversation. Because when we're sitting there at a baptism, we're sitting there with typically a baby and then a bunch of adults and then perhaps some other children in between. And to start with the completely different way that you think and interact as an adult versus a kid. And the entire reason is you've already had, as an adult, you've already had experiences. You've formulated things in your mind that this is the way it is. This is right. Uh, Whatever it is, you, you become set in a path due to the way that you've lived your unique life. But as a child, you haven't done any of that yet. Everything is fresh and new. And, you know, obviously don't touch the stove because that's going to be bad and you're going to get burnt. You're kind of learning the laws of nature. But you haven't really gotten anything beyond those physical laws that we're all bound by. That as an adult, you just take for granted. I'm not going to float up in outer space. But a kid thinks that they can do that all the time. So it's a lot easier to create true and genuine trust as a child. And what I wanted to take the next couple moments here in this cast was how do we keep from ruining that? There's probably a way better way to ask that question. But how do we keep that spark and that wonder and that desire of dependency upon God and not make it about an individual where that relationship you have with Christ is no longer the most important thing. So if you got an answer to that one, father, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can can you say that question? I was following you and then I just lost track of where, what was the, the, the question again? How can we keep that? I don't think innocence is the right word. Maybe it is the right word. But that genuine trust and dependency that you have in a child, especially in an infant, and keep that fostered without going down a road that would would deter you from that. To keep yourself open and completely dependent upon this relationship with Christ. So how does the adults and the parents around the child make that work? Yeah, that's uh again it's it's a great question to and it's great to think through these things. Um I want to put a little plug in. I was thinking about this earlier and you just set me up so nicely uh at St. Vincent on November 17th we're going to have a little workshop for the day called Parenting as a Ministry. And I think it's uh, just a wonderful way to think about it because parenting is a ministry. A lot of times we think of the ministry of priesthood, the ministry of preaching, the ministry of healing, the ministry of all these other things. 
But parenting is a ministry because to do what you just described, Joe, is is a ministry. How do you how do you help little children come to know Jesus? They've been baptized into him. They have a real relationship with him. That's what baptism is. But they they haven't made that relationship explicit somehow according to how they can make things explicit and how can you really foster the relationship with Jesus in a in a little child as they as they grow. So Mike and Alicia Hernan who have a wonderful podcast called Messy Parenting messyparenting.org are going to come to St. Vincent and lead a workshop for a day starting at whatever 8:30 with mass and going till about 2:30 in the afternoon and uh and we'll be talking about and and leading people in reflecting because it's not that they have all the answers but they're doing the kind of thing that we're doing which is to raise the questions and to reflect on their own experience they raised uh 10 beautiful children or are raising them their oldest two are out of the house they have a, a grandchild on the way they have a number still in the house but just from they share their experience and their thoughts about it and they're really gifted parents and gifted speakers and then they're really fostering a discussion, a reflection among the people who will come, the parents uh, who will come and join us for that day. So how do you how do you do that? Well, I mentioned already the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd as one example of how and and the thing that makes that so beautiful is the fact that it really is focused on developing the relationship between the child and Jesus. And it has that uh, title catechesis of the good shepherd because the parable of the good shepherd is the first parable that is introduced to the children and they have a little sheepfold and they have a little uh, image of jesus and an image of the sheep and they read the parable from john 10 about the good shepherd and how he leads the sheep to green pastures how he enters through the sheep gate how he knows each of the sheep by name they recognize him, they hear his voice, and they follow him. And those are the rules. You know, children do well at age three with rules. They understand the rules of the sheepfold, and they learn about how the good shepherd relates with the sheep. And they come to learn, they come to discover, and it's not told to them. They, the, the catechist and catechesis of the good shepherd leaves them the space to figure out that the good shepherd is Jesus and that they're the sheep. And when they make that discovery, when they make that connection, when the light goes on, which is really a grace, you know, and, the, and that's why the catechist doesn't tell them, the catechist asks them the question, why do you think, what's so special about those sheep that the shepherd knows them by name? And then just leaves the question there and gives the children the chance to, to work with, play with that particular uh, work in the, in the atrium where the catechesis takes place, and they think about it. Those little children, they, they process that stuff. And they, they come to know a shepherd who loves those sheep, and they come to discover a shepherd in Jesus who loves them, the sheep, and who knows their name. And they start to learn how they can communicate with Jesus, what kind of honesty they can have with him, that he's not just a judge that's out to get them, that he's not just a God who controls everything but is really distant and doesn't care about us, that he's not just some uh, distant figure who you, you have to do certain practices and call out his name 63 times and before he's going to respond to you. But they learn about this very personal, 
real relationship that they can have with a person that they've never seen, but that they can really know in Jesus. So that's one example of how little children can be led into that relationship. And parents find different ways to do that. Parents already model the relationship with God by their own behavior. If a parent is distant, if a parent requires children to get straight A's before they give them any attention, if the only time they get attention is when they're going to get beaten, if they feel like they're being constantly watched and everything they do is wrong, uh, it's easy to miscommunicate what God is like because the model of God for children is going to be their parents, first and foremost. Uh, something like Catechesis of the Good Shepherd helps to make those distinctions and, and draw apart that God is a separate person from parents. But parents are always going to model the kind of behaviors of God the Father, what we come to, what we expect in prayer. So really trying to be God-like in their charity, in their presence, in their tenderness, in their listening, in the way they know their children, in the way they play with their children, in the way they f make their children feel valuable and cherished and important and loved. You know, those are ways that uh, that parents can, can help those little children come alive and come to know God better. And then making those points explicit. This is what God is like. Let's pray to God together. And so parents are always witnessing to children how to love and how to speak to God and, and what kind of role God plays in our lives. And parents teach their children a tremendous amount that way. That, that is a great, great starting point there. So we're going to go into the next podcast about the relationship as an adult with Christ and how to enhance that. So I don't want to jump ship into the next podcast and, and, and before we get there. But are there any final thoughts on this podcast about how to develop the children and how to keep that element in our lives that we can take with us nuggets as we go forward for the rest of this remainder of the week? Well, again, I think the most important thing for us is authenticity. I mean, the best way we're going to help children is by having our own relationship with Christ. I, I hope that it's effective in this podcast, too, that our listeners can tell, you know, I'm not just talking about something that I heard on television. You know, these are real, these things are real to me. And obviously, I mean, I've dedicated my life to them, but uh, there are people, unfortunately, and we really see that in this day, who become priests and don't seem to believe these things. So I guess it wouldn't be obvious. But I hope the way that I talk about it and for people who know me, the way that I live my life, which is not perfect. I'm a sinner. I go to confession. I'm not claiming that. But I hope that someone could tell that there's a difference, that, I, that I, I've had an encounter with Christ. And I'm still in a process of changing my life, of conforming to him, of deepening that relationship. But, but there's something real there. And so I think that you know uh, now St. Paul VI, said, in our day, people don't listen to teachers. They listen to witnesses. And they listen to teachers only insofar as they are witnesses. And the same goes for us in terms of sharing the faith. We have to have a faith to share. 
And then whether we can be eloquent about it, whether we have all the technical vocabulary and the precise theological terms, and I think I'm more weighed down by that than really uh, blessed by it, but equipped by it. But uh, whether we can do that or not, just being able to actually believe and demonstrate in our lives and speak with conviction about our faith makes all the difference. I I think uh, just in the moment of a friend of mine who's an airplane mechanic, and he's a real believer, and he's not afraid to tell the other guys at the airport, you know, hey, Jesus matters, you know, do you, you go into church, you believe in Jesus, do you pray? Matters. He's not a super eloquent guy, and he, you know, he's he's uh, very fervent. He gets some of the guys together and and uh, does a little Bible study with them and just has a, a witness and guys start to know, hey, he's a believer. You know, that guy's for real. Why don't you talk to him? And it's and it makes a difference. That kind of witness, in, and that's something I can't do because the guys at the air at the airport, the other mechanics are not going to listen to me and they're not going to see my life. Um, you know, and and likewise in the house building business, when it comes to houses, they know Joe Rocky. And so your your witness makes a difference for for contractors and for people who sell houses and for people who are buying houses and renting houses. And we have to have an authentic faith. And that's the number one criterion. So we want to work on our own faith. Now, part of having an authentic faith is the willingness to talk about it. So we can't wait until we're saints to start evangelizing because we'll never become saints unless we start evangelizing. We have to actually start to witness with what we have. And when we're moved by that conviction of wanting to share our own relationship with Christ, however limited and faulty and how much it's under development and whatever, sharing what we have is, is the way that it grows. It's a simple principle when you have material goods, you know, if I have 10 bucks and I give you 10 bucks, I don't have 10 bucks anymore. When I give away material goods, I have less. When I give away spiritual goods, I have more because I give it to you, but I still have it. And then there's more of it. So that's, uh, that's my little challenge, my little fervorino for us as we enter into the week is, yeah, how's, how's your faith? And can you try to witness it to somebody, share it with somebody, ask somebody about going to church or praying or tell them about your experience. Start somewhere and, and that'll keep us moving forward. Beautiful, beautiful. So like I said, I thank everyone out there for listening this week. We'll be here again with you next week. And we'll talk to you then.